Hey, Pioneers! Welcome to episode number 328 of the Pioneering Today podcast. Today's episode is a fun one. What you are going to hear is a discussion that I actually started to have at the Homesteaders of America's conference with Kaylee Richardson. And as we were talking, I was getting so excited and asking her more questions. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, it was towards the end of the night on the last day. I had to finish unpack or taking down my booth and getting ready to come back home. And I told her, I said, you have got to come on the podcast because I can't wait to learn more about that. This and I know that my listeners will feel the exact same way that I do. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the medicinal part of beekeeping. Now, a lot of us are very familiar with the medicinal qualities and properties in raw honey, but there is a lot more and a much deeper connection of beekeeping and herbalism and medicinal properties for many things just beyond the honey, um, but even connection-wise with the honey. So in this episode, we are going to be going over the link between plant medicine for humans and bees, combining beekeeping with herbalism, medicinal byproducts of honeybees, as well as talking about the health of honeybees and some other fun things that Kaylee is doing. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. And if you are a brand new listener of the podcast, welcome. My name is Melissa K. Norris. I'm a fifth generation homesteader and your host. I'm also the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, as well as MelissaKNorris.com, where between that, my YouTube channel and online courses, I help thousands of people every single month to live a homegrown and handmade life using simple, modern homesteading to become healthier and more self-sufficient. And if learning more about how to treat yourself and your family using herbs specifically for cold and flu season, then you definitely want to check out my full course, Practical Home Herbalism for Cold and Flu Season. Now is the perfect time to dig in and have these remedies on hand and ready to go for you and your family. Now, without further ado, I cannot wait for you to listen in to this interview with myself and Kaylee. Kaylee, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. I know. I am too. In fact, ever since we got to talk at HOA, and that was the beginning of how having you come on this episode because you just started sharing stuff. And I'm like, wait, 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 I have so many more questions, but I really need my listeners, like other people need to hear this. So let's do this as like an official podcast interview. So I feel like I have been waiting because it's both of us has taken us weeks to, to get home and into where we could coordinate our schedules together. So I'm like, oh, we finally get to continue this and I get to learn all this stuff that I had more questions on. So I'm so glad that you could come. Well, I am just, I'm very excited to be able to, to be here and talk to you and I've listened to you and I've watched you and one, I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, fangirl shocked, you know, that <laughs> I'm actually here and, you know, sharing what I love and what I'm passionate about and, you know, hope that, hope that your viewers are going to fall in love with it too and, and become passionate as well. Yes, I think, I think so. In fact, I feel like with homesteading, especially 
you know, it's kind of like when you have kids, like when you have your first child, you're like, oh, I didn't know I could love another human being this much. Right. And then when you have your for, for those who have had more than one children, I should say, <laughs> then you have your second child and you're like, oh, I can like your heart just enlarges that much. And I feel like yes. a little bit of that with homesteading, like once I learn about the next new thing or I'm introduced to the other thing, I'm like, Oh, like my passions and dreams just expand a little bit. Exactly. (laughs) You pretty much just nailed it because that I think is the art of homesteading. You can't just do one thing and, and fall in love with that one thing. And it just all kind of collaborates together. And you just, you just, your heart gets bigger. You fall in love with all the things and then you You keep learning and growing. Yeah. And it's interesting because actually so many of the things are, interconnected, not just because we are like passionate about it, because it's about, you know, self-sufficiency and all of that, but truly interconnected. And that's one of the things why I was so excited to talk to you because I hadn't, have not really heard a lot about this. And that's the, the journey of beekeeping with herbalism. And when you started sharing about that, I was like, what? So <laughs> back up, because obviously the listeners were not there for the beginning part of our conversation when we were at HOA. Uh, how did the journey, because you're really known for beekeeping, Um, So how did this journey for you of combining the act of beekeeping and herbalism connect? Oh, my goodness. Well, it you know, and it's it's one of those things you don't realize that there is such a connection into it until you take the time to really sit down and observe, you know, watching the bees, seeing what they're doing. They're not just pulling the nectars and pollen. You know, there are so many other things that they're doing. And, you know, we all know honey right now. Honey is huge, especially for seasonal allergies. But there's also benefits with honey when it comes to uh, skins. You know, if you're if you have an injury to your your skin, infection, burns, I mean, there are endless of things that honey could could actually do to benefit. So my journey really started with just observing the bees and and realizing what they're doing. And then this last couple of years, I really kind of took a deep dive into into herbalism. And I'm actually, I finished uh, foundations of, of medicinal herbalism, um, finished my portion of apothecary. And now where I'm at is um, I'm logging all my clinics, um, recording all of my, my clients that I get to meet. And I am, I'm in the process of pursuing my registered um, herbalism uh, certificate, essentially. Uh, it's not necessary, but for me, I mean, I have a, a medical background and I, the last couple of years, I actually went down to PRN, left the hospital, uh, focused more on what I'm doing and kind of like my soul search. And mm-hmm. it led me to, to herbalism, but a lot of it really started with, with watching the bees and being observant and figuring out what they're doing and essentially, you know, their health, where do they get their health from? What, how do they keep themselves healthy? And that's, connecting some of the dots uh, for me has has kind of led me here. Oh, I love uh, so much of what you said. I'm like nodding my head, even though we're not actually <laughs> recording this on video because of my lovely rural internet capability. So you can actually see me nodding in agreement right now. But yeah. yes. Um, so you have honeybees and how long, just for a little bit of background, and I'm also curious, um, how many hives do you have and how long have you been beekeeping? So we have, and this is always, I always mess up on answering this question because I'm like, I feel like I've been doing it for, I know, I I think we're going on our sixth, sixth year, I believe, if not more, I have to look back at it. 
Um, but right now we have, I'm going into winter with around 24 or 25 colonies. It's kind of like chicken math. You know, you just, <laughs> you just kind of look at it and you're like, there's only three there and there's actually 12. Um, so, you know, with bees to me, that's kind of what we, you know, it's a number that ends in ish and that's what we have. But um, we did some heavy combining, getting everybody ready for winter, putting, putting the bees together. Um, you know, some of them that are weaker. Unfortunately, I had to let go of a couple of queens and combine, but that's our way of seeing, seeing them through the winter. Um, so, but yeah, we do have quite a few. I think I was up to 50 um, come spring and we sold a, quite a few nukes, um, rescued bees. I'm always getting called for bees. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. So th- from a non beekeeper yet, I put yet in there. What is yet. nukes? What is nukes? Okay. What does that mean? So a nuke is essentially like a, uh, an entire colony. So when you go to order bees or if you find a local beekeeper, um, especially local, I would, I would purchase a nuke of bees, which is a small box. Um, typically it has five frames. What's wonderful about a nuke is that there's already a queen, she's laying, there's already egg, there's already brood, there's pollen, there's nectar, there's capped honey, and everything is already basically intermixed. You know, it's essentially a big colony just reduced down to five frames versus uh, like a package of bees, which is uh, you can order them. Typically, they get shipped from the south. Um, They're not acclimated to that area. The queen is put in a little cage um, and it's essentially just a box of bees that have to grow and build. So nukes are the best way outside of catching swarms. Swarms are probably my favorite way of, of obtaining bees. One, because you're helping give them a home. And two, we really love our feral bees. I love just the hardiness of my swarms. And, and I think I genuinely contribute that to why we have so many bees in our area, especially, especially in our apiary. Okay, so it's kind of like the difference when you're saying the swarms and the feral between like a domesticated breed versus a wild one. I mean, that's basically right. Essentially. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) So sorry. Thanks. Thanks for going down that trail with me. I don't have my my beekeeping terms known yet. So um, back because we could definitely dive into beekeeping and all those things and and may have to have you on another episode later to talk about that. But with this episode, I really wanted to learn more about the, uh, the link and if there is one between plant medicine for humans and bees. Oh, yeah. So this is what's really interesting. Okay. So you, uh, you know, you go in, you type up, okay, what are the plants that you can plant for bees? You're typically going to see thyme. You're going to see oregano. You're going to see um, bergamot, you know, all of this basically list of, of plants, but they don't really go into like the detail of why it's beneficial. Some people will look at it and be like, oh, it just has many blossoms. And that's going to, that's why, that's why it's beneficial. But if you look at the actual, the plant medicine and what that plant offers, and then kind of link it back, like for instance, time, um, time, everyone has it. Well, not everybody, but the majority of homesteaders, I know they're growing it in their, their medicinal garden, herbal garden, um, they use it for cooking, culinary, but in the, with the herbalism aspect of it, um, time is really, you know, it's, it's really antifungal. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's really good for your health. Um, but I started doing some research and realized that thyme has like volatile oils on it, um, which contains uh, thymol. And that is what is actually used in varroa mite treatments. So when a bee will go over, rub on the, the thyme flower, um, they'll get that volatile oil on them and then they're cleaning themselves. Well, that is what helps essentially keeps varroa mite down. And varroa mite is just this pesky little mite that um, essentially can really debilitate an entire colony if the colony gets weak enough and the varroa mite um, thrives. So that's one of the, the many things that beekeepers are facing right now is, is this varroa mite. So for me, looking and watching the bees and how they're interacting with the plant, but understanding why. One of my other favorite things that we have um, growing, and I actually have a, I have a plan to have like an acre of elderberry, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, elderberry is huge for you medicinally. I mean, right now, elderberry syrup is, right now, making elderberry syrup, especially with flu and cold season, it's huge. But then understanding, okay, what do, what does elderberry do for the bees? And I'd like to think, I'd like to imagine um, that the immune boosting properties that elderberry has for human consumption is also beneficial for, for bees. So I started kind of diving in, doing a little bit of research, and I found that an acre of, of elderberry can produce up to um, anywhere from 600 to 800 pounds of pollen for the bees, um, and then around 60 pounds of honey, which I think was completely fascinating. And just trying to link the plant medicine uh, between what's growing outside to your own apothecary, to your own you know, herbal cabinet, what can you put in your toolbox and how can it, how can it intermix and benefit each other? But there's, there are so many, so many that I'm currently researching right now. For elderberry, you know, that's one that that's huge right now, especially this time of year with cold and flu season. I know so many people who are making their elderberry syrup. Uh, but when I started doing some research with elderberry, I started looking at the medicinal properties, obviously for supporting our immune health, but and the fact that it has that powerful antioxidant and, and just full of vitamins. Well, the bees actually need that as well. You know, the, the pollen that 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 is produced by the elderberry that is how you know they keep themselves healthy as well but one of the things that I really found interesting with elderberry which is it's in my works to plant at least an acre an acre of elderberry uh, but an acre of elderberry can roughly produce anywhere from 600 to 800 uh, pounds of pollen which I was like okay, we need to incorporate more elderberry into our life. We need to let that weed grow and obviously use it for, for us and, and making elderberry syrups and um, you know, using the flowers and, and all the goodness of it. But I just found that elderberry was really an interesting, interesting plant that we could you know, use for our apothecary and, and keep it in our herbal toolbox. And then also, of course, benefit the bees. But there are so many, I mean, between oregano, wild bergamot, um, forage, even lavender, you know, this journey of linking plant medicine to bees, it's 
it's going to forever continue. And I've accepted that I will forever be learning <laughs> and, and, you know, educating myself and being aware of what, what's out there, what's out well, there for the bees. What I find so fascinating about this is, is one is when I first started learning about herbalism and all of that, you know, elderberries, I think elderberry and elderberry syrup is one of probably the most common or first introduction that a lot of people have to using herbal medicine. And what's fascinating is I didn't know when I first started that the elder flower, I mean, so somebody who's listening, there's like, you really didn't connect the two, but honest, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you can use the elder flower too. Like, I just thought it was the berries. I, yes. didn't, I didn't, you know, know that. And so that this has been years back. So, so bear with me there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I didn't, it didn't. And so when you're talking about too, this is what I find fascinating because so much, like a lot of us know and I'm speaking as someone who is not an experienced beekeeper, a lot of us know that your honey is going to taste different based upon whatever pollen the bees are gathering it from, whatever the plants are that influences the the flavor of the honey and sometimes the color, et cetera. But to know that the medicinal properties of a lot of the flowers and the plants from one contribute to the health of the bee like you were talking i mean like that is amazing too but then how much of the medicinal properties not only is it beneficial to the bee's health but does that cross over into the honey when we ingest it i believe it does i mean i i truly believe it does i mean here's the thing these little creatures are so you know resilient and and there is but this is a whole nother system that you I mean you look at an entire colony like an organism I mean you it is it is a fully functioning colony and and knowing that they they know what they need they know the minerals they know the honey they know the nectars from all the different plants and and using not just using the nectars and the pollen to help you know feed their colony and keep their health to keep their immune system um you know resilient but but also uh, as in applying this glue that is used anti, like an antifungal, uh, it's, we call it bee glue, but it's propolis. And that's one of the questions I think a lot of people being at the HOA conference and when one of the, when one of the listeners asked, what is the one herb you would put in your, your, uh, herbal apothecary or your herbal cabinet, um, I said propolis. I said bee propolis. And it is an herb. A lot of people don't kind of associate that. But bee propolis can be up to 300 different species of of tree resin uh, that, you know, they have gone and gathered to essentially make a seal inside their colony to keep any antifungal, keep any funguses, viruses. It's what they use to keep their colony clean and keep their themselves alive. Um, so we've been tincturing our own propolis and, and using that um, pretty, pretty religiously, quite honestly, especially right now. Uh, but even just looking at their whole system and their, basically their ecosystem and what's growing around them and how they're using it to keep themselves healthy to me is it's pretty amazing 
when you first said that, because I was there for that that session and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what that is. And we were luckily enough, I was sitting right next to you so I could whisper to you like, what is that? I don't know what it is. So all of you are, you know, like just really, I had never heard the term before. I didn't know what it was. And so when we, I was asking you that later to share because I just, I found that part fascinating. Oh, yeah. So, Share because I asked you this already, but I would love for listeners to know just a little bit. So how how do you harvest that and how are you tincturing that then? So here's what's fun. A lot of people, a lot of beekeepers don't know that this is just another byproduct of bees. Um, but propolis, like I said, they use they go and collect the resins from all the different trees and they bring it back and they seal their colony up, especially right now, come winter. Um, any cracks, they're going to they're gonna basically seal it up. So for when we go to do hive inspections, we have to, we have to break the seal and, and you'll hear it. It's this distinct like cracking sound and the colder it gets, the more brittle, the more brittle it is. Um, hot summers, you can smell it. I mean, I wish I could bottle the smell of a, a colony and, and offer that to, to my viewers and listeners, because it, to me, it's just most beautiful smell in the world it's it's of a thousand flowers of a thousand nectars mm. uh, but uh, the propolis when you go to do a hive inspection you have to break that seal you have to be able to lift up the frame so you're left with this sticky glob and instead of throwing it away i i gather it up and i i have a one little jar of everclear and there's a, there's a formula to it. I think I, I wild woman style it a little, to be honest with you, because I have my jar with me when I'm doing my hive inspection, because when I have to clean this beautiful byproduct off, instead of just trashing it, I will plop it in my jar um, and I'll use uh, Everclear is what we can get. And I'll put it in there. I'll shake it um, once a day. I keep it in a dark area. And then that's essentially uh, tinctured. So the, the proper, you can do like two parts propolis by weight to like nine parts of, of your alcohol, your clear, uh, uh your alcohol. Yeah. Typically ever clear is probably better. Um, I have used vodka, uh, because here in Virginia, we can't get in our area. It's hard to get the, the highest grain alcohol. Um, but the colors of it, you know, you can get the real dark Brown propolis or ours is like a, beautiful, rich goldenrod color. And I'll use it and I'll either um, add in, I'm currently working on a couple of different herbs that I'm going to be adding into the tincture so that I have like a really good, you know, throat clearing and I, I take it orally. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I gave you, I think I gave you a sample of it too. No, you didn't, but I'm going to take oh. you up on that. <laughs> okay. I'll give you a sample. I, I might have to mail you a sample. Um, but you know, the same concept of propolis being inside your colony, what are they using it for? They're using it to keep their colony clean from, from microbial, from bacterial, from funguses. It's the same concept. You tincture it, you put in alcohol. Um, I take it orally. I, I've been doing it religiously now that since we've been facing, you know, the, the way of the world yes. right now. And I mean, that the same properties that propolis does that the bees do for their colony, you can in turn use it for yourself. Um, any viruses, any funkiness, you know, take a little orally. Uh, it's also good for your skin. If you have any like 
eczema or skin irritation, um, any infection, you know, put a little propolis on that and you'd be surprised. You just put that on straight then I'm assuming you're not like infusing that into an oil. You can just uh, put it right on the skin. I do a little bit. I just do a little alcohol on the skin. Um, and oh, it, you just use the tincture topically. Yeah, I use the oh, tincture topically. Okay. okay. Yep. I, now, if you know, if if you have somebody who has a little bit more sensitive skin, I would maybe play around, and uh, I'd maybe play around with that a little bit. And that's something I can probably work on and test and see how well it does, and then I'll let you know. So, but hopefully soon you'll be collecting your own propolis and making your own. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I we, I have a local beekeeper friend. We actually went to high school together and he was one of the very first people I interviewed on the podcast when I first started podcasting. Like I will link to it. I think it's still available to listen to, but I'm talking like back in 2014, I think. Um, but I'm going to see, cause he usually does look for places um, in the summertime to in spring to bring his hives. So I'm going to see if go. I can get on his list. And then I'm not quite as committed to, to doing all my own beekeeping yet, but I feel like that would be a great way to ease to ease into it is to have the bees here. So, okay, well, I am I'm very very fascinated um, by by this part because I don't think it's something that's talked about a lot, and that is like you're saying that using all the the parts, but especially yeah. medicinally wise, not just the health of the bees. There's that aspect too, but then also using that as our medicine as it basically comes through the bees. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's just it. I just find it absolutely fascinating. Um, but speaking of, we've talked about, um, you know, the a byproduct that's not used much. So that's a great way to put that to use instead of, like you said, wasting it or, or throwing that out. Um, are there any other medicinal byproducts of honeybees that can be beneficial to your health as well? Absolutely. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about honey. Um, talked a little bit, obviously, if you have seasonal allergies, it is a huge benefit, of, especially when it comes to, you know, digestion and healing your gut and all of that. It, it actually, it has so many um, vitamins in the honey um, that you can actually, basically, you can use honey, especially if you have like any uh, diarrhea or dehydration. It's just one of those the powerhouse products that the bees uh, provide that, you know, as long as you're getting local honey, you're going to get the benefit of that. Um, but we also talked about the wound healing fact, um, putting it on burns, uh, stings, uh, bug bites, you know, all of that. Coughs and colds, you know how good it is to coat that throat. But a lot of people don't realize that, yes, the, the propolis is also beneficial talked a little bit about that um, beeswax you know that's something pretty easily to come you can get beeswax pretty readily uh, but what I found about beeswax is it actually it's it's really anti antibacterial it has so many antibacterial properties against uh, certain bacterial strains like gram positive bacteria um, and even gram negative bacteria and here's when I mentioned earlier that I have a medical background, uh, I am a surgical first assist and um, I've been PRN for a little while. So, you know, not as active as what I was, but um, I worked in the operating room um, as, a, as a first assist, assisting surgeon, uh, specialized in orthopedic and gosh, every specialty, to be honest with you, we did a little bit of everything. 
what I found was really interesting about beeswax is that in orthopedic surgery, they actually take a sterile mixture of beeswax uh, and use it to help control bleeding of the bone. So when you're in surgery and your, you know, your bone is bleeding, they use a little bit of bone, uh, bone wax, or you know, that's what they call it, uh, to, to apply to it to help control that bleeding. So that was like, okay, and this is modern. This is right now. It, they still use it. So how amazing are these little winged creatures? A lot of people don't realize that aspect of, of beeswax. Um, pollen, even. Pollen, you can buy pollen. You can ask your bee, beekeeper, if you have a local one, if they can actually use, you know, put the pollen traps up to collect pollen. You will get almost a mosaic uh, combination of pollen from all the different plants, all the different shades from blackberry, which is their blackberry uh, produces a, a gray colored pollen to purple dead metal, which is like a very bright, like red, you know, uh, pollen color. But pollen is also uh, used quite often. And they're still actually researching a lot of the benefits to see what are some of the actions that pollen can do for you, like whether it's antifungal, antimicrobial, viral, uh, anti-inflammatory, hepatic protectant, anti-cancer. I mean, it is, it's, it's quite amazing uh, when you, when you start deep diving into, into the byproduct of, of the bees and what they can do. It's not just about honey. Yeah, it's, it's not, which is so fascinating. And my, my homesteading loves that because I'm always looking like, what are all the ways that I can get a use out of something? There's got to be more than one. And right. the beeswax is exciting. Um, I, you know, I use beeswax a lot in a lot of my homemade salves and lotion bars, um, different, you know, my own skincare is using the beeswax in that for the moisturizing properties mainly, but also like you that, that as we were talking about the anti, you know, microbial and some bacteria properties, I use that to condition all of my wood products that I put on our food preparing services. So my butcher oh, block, yeah. you know, all of the wood, wooden utensils that I use and everything, I use that as well to help when it helps condition the wood, but it also does have some of those antibacterial, like we were saying, properties. And so, it's just amazing to see all the different ways that we can incorporate it. And it, it's like going back to how we were talking in the beginning, like all of those threads, like we were talking about healthcare and they were like, Oh yeah, but I use it in the kitchen and I use it for this. And, and just, Oh, I'm like, I almost feel like it's like poetry that you get to see in, in real like life laid out before you, if you just look. Yes. If you just look. And these are the, that's the one thing about beekeeping is it really, changes your perspective of, of what just how you're looking at them. You know, they're not just a box of bees. They're not just a box of bugs. You know, they're actually doing something and they are, if, if you continue to link the plant medicine and watch the bees and realize like what they're doing. Um, I laughed because I think I, I caught it on video and I shared this. We we have a wood mill on the side. So we're milling cedar, we're milling wood. And and I, I was sitting back helping my husband and I watched my bees dive bomb this pile of, of, of wood 
dust, uh, basically. I think we were, it was definitely cedar that we were doing, but they were just dive bombing this, this cedar pile of just powder and they're rolling all around it. And then I'm watching them and they're gathering it and their little pollen, their little baskets on their legs. And it, it put two and two together there. They were collecting the, the tree saps, you know, they were collecting the saps to bring back to their colony to help seal their colony up with the propolis, you know, so watching and kind of learning what they're doing. Um, one, to me, it makes me a better beekeeper, but I do believe that it, it makes me a, a better herbalist, you know, and connecting the two, their health is my goal. And so is my health and my family's health. So linking it together. And, and this will be, I feel like this is going to be a lifetime of research for me. In all honesty, I, I've been looking at different countries and what they're reading and what they're finding. And, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever stop learning. Um, definitely, definitely not even with beekeeping. I, I don't care how many years I'll continue to do this. I don't think I'll ever consider myself a master. I will forever be their student. And, and you know, same thing with herbalism, plant medicine. Yeah, I, I agree I, with homesteading and even in anything in life, but because I am just a homesteader, it's in my DNA. You, I, I feel like the more you learn, the the less you think, the less you realize, you know, right? right. And so I think if I ever reach that part where I'm like, oh, I know everything there is to know about this, then that's when I actually don't know right like that's a dangerous place to get into mentally to think that you know everything um and speaking of health though so for those who do have honeybees or want to get honeybees how can we help the health of them because i know a lot of things on a lot of people's mind are a lot that we have been seeing which i actually think is great that there is this awareness movement happening though is the decline in health of honeybee colonies all across the U.S. I don't know if it's worldwide. I actually haven't looked into it that far, but I know definitely across the U.S. Like we have had a lot of colony collapses and right. and different things like that. So what are ways that people can help out with the health of the honeybees? So I, again, I, I believe it's the education. I believe it's the talking, it's the knowledge, it's putting two and two together. Um, I believe that backyard beekeepers are the beekeeping future. You know, it has been, it's, it's bees are turning into the backyard chickens. You know, it's that, it's almost a necessity to have um, on, for me, on my homestead. And I've watched my homestead go from the pastures being plain and blah to now being so vibrant and my production in my garden has just doubled. And so it, for planting, planting for the bees and being aware of what you're doing to the plants around you, um, making sure that you're not adding the chemicals into your garden. You know, yes, I might lose a few tomato plants here and there, but my colony health is, is, is most important. Um, so being an advocate for them, talking, educating, researching, knowing what you're planting. I love the plants that have the volatile oils. I love the oregano. I love the thyme. I love the wild bergamot, you know, lavender. I want to plant things that I know the bees will appreciate, but then in turn, I know I can add it to my, my pot carry. I know I can use the lavender. I know that, you know, the thyme and the oregano, it's all for our health as well. So if you look about it, if you look at it like a, an entire big picture bubble, mm -hmm. you know, you'll, you can see that what you're doing for them is only going to help you as well. 
Yeah, I am now. <laughs> you just wait. My husband's going to come home. I'm like, we're getting bees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, now's the time oh. to research. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. I, Which I say do it. <laughs> I, I know. I know you're going to be totally in my corner. Like, yes, go for it. Um, yeah, for every every podcast interview that I do, like whatever the topic is, I come away from it. And I'm like, this is what we're doing next. And he's like. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> oh, my husband as well. My husband as well. I feel like sometimes he's just like, I'm just gonna, you just, okay, I'm gonna hold on. Okay, we got this. <laughs> yeah, he does a good job of like, okay, well, let's put this in perspective with all the oh, yeah. timeline on what comes first. So it's really good because I tend to be the, uh, we're well balanced. The, the right. Lord knew what he was doing there. So agreed. Uh, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, which, which is nice. In fact, most couples that I talk to, seems like that 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 is the case you've got one side that that's kind of helping that out there uh, to balance but one of the things that i was really excited uh, that you and i got to talk about and so i would love to share this with listeners too is both of us unbeknownst to the other which i find fascinating both of us looked around and i come from a medical background different as a pharmacy tech though but both of us look around and see the need for natural herbal medicine and taking our health care into our own hands and putting it at a very natural and local level as well. Like you can't get much more local than your own backyard, but not everybody is at that place with knowledge yet or even has it in. Uh, you know, it takes a while for these plants, right? And for you to get your bees and to get some of this stuff. So I feel like both you and I looked around and we saw this very great need and we want to educate and we love to help people be able to do it all on their own. But for those who can't, who still want the benefits of this or who are just coming in like, man, I need to learn. Both of us are feeling led to do local, like a local shop where people can either come and learn or actually come in and purchase some of these products until they're able to grow, make their own if, if they want. And so kind of meeting people with where they're at. Um, but taking that step and actually opening up a local place. And so we're putting in steps right now. In fact, it's so funny because I have been planting. I already have plants and we've already prepped all of the beds. I have the seeds. I was just going through them last night for a lot of these medicinal plants that you and I are talking about. I'm, I already have some of them growing, but planning on putting in a lot more in then being able to open we got the building we're working on finishing that up and you are too and so it was so funny because both of us had, had been putting these plans into motion uh, months and months ago and then we we got to actually talk about it and so tell people though where i'm going with this is you have plans for the beekeepers apothecary and that is both physical will it also have an online aspect too yes so I essentially have been working um, diligently and quietly on a personal project, um, which I am I'm still in the works of how do we lay it out there? How do I share this? Um, and it's basically all of my research that I've done so far uh, with the linking of the beekeeping and herbalism and just connecting just the beekeepers approach to herbalism. Um, so I have that and then the other aspect of it is and i'm not doing this solely by myself my mom actually um, recently purchased the 20 acres beside me with my with my father and so our our farm is now grown to 60 acres and we're this crazy family compound um, that doesn't wear matching <laughs> sweatpants but my oh, mom, darn. <laughs> <laughs> my mom um, and i have actually been doing we've been going to the herbalism school together 
And and it's it's something that we're just falling in love with. And I'm seeing something in her, you know, change. And I'm seeing her be this this ultimate Girl Scout that I grew up knowing. So it's it's interesting having a relationship with my mother now as an adult and then seeing my daughter kind of come up into this as well. But on the property, there's this beautiful little cabin. It's an old hunting cabin. And my husband and, and my son and my father, we've all put our hands on this cabin and we have put so much love into it. But we are we're turning it into the, the beekeepers apothecary. And so our future plans are we're going to be hosting um, online workshops. We're going to be teaching what we what we are doing. We're going to be showing we already share on YouTube, but this is just going to be like a little extra. Um, and then because we're going and pursuing the, the herbalism as as a registered, um, I have to see a certain amount of clients uh, to be able to sit and to, to present everything, all of my research and all my studies. Um, but I want this to be a place where others can come and, and get their hands in there as well. And I want this to be a place where they can come and when they feel like there is no more hope, I want to give them the hope. I want to share everything that I've learned and what we've been doing. And I want to give them an opportunity to, to help themselves, you know, help. How empowering is it for, for you to be able to, to mix up your own tea blend? Because you know that these herbs combined, their actions are only going to complement each other. You know, so that's kind of our approach. And I want just, I want more people to be aware. And if we give them the space to come and learn and have fun, you know, it, it's only going to grow and build a better community. It's only going to help the people. And so that's our plan. That's what we have kind of going on, but it, it's a quite a cute little cabin. Um, we're not hundred percent done with it quite yet, but we're falling in more and more in love with the space. Yeah. I'm so excited to see just all that comes out of it. And especially because I have a feeling that we are just scratching the surface. Oh. Oh, yeah. On it, you know, like yeah. it's so it's so exciting and I can't wait to see, you know, what you find and where it leads and where it goes, because I really see a lot. We are just at the front forefront, I feel like, of this of this movement of herbalism and homesteading and all of all of these things, but especially the health aspect of it becoming more more mainstream and more and more people turning to it because in a lot of instances, uh, neither are you, obviously neither you or I are anti-modern medicine, right, but we, we do see a lot of issues with modern, right. with the way the modern healthcare system is set up right now. And so I, I think that we're going to be seeing, I hope it is my hope and prayer that we begin to see more of a merging and more of uh, mainstream society looking at and using and then i hope that that infiltrates our actual healthcare system of bringing back together not one or the other but bringing in more of the herbal and the plant medicine um, into creating a true healthcare system and not just a let's treat your healthcare right. system that we kind of have right absolutely and i i agree um that's that is my that's what i see i see it as well you are doing um, this work yeah, I see it. I, I believe it. I, you know, here's the ultimate reality of it is, is God put it here. What do we do with it? You know, and, and if you, if you take the time to, to sit back and see what, what's happening, um, you know, it's interesting when, 
when things, uh, when the pandemic started, you know, my, my mom and I were sitting and we were watching the plants grow around us. And all of a sudden it was like, all we saw was mullen, 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 all these plants, big stalks, you know, big fuzzy leaves. And it, it just, it was so ironic because we'd never seen mullen be as prolific as what we're, what we had seen. And then diving into mullen, what is it good for? Well, it's, you know, good for your lungs. It's good for, you know, healing your lungs. So it just, it kind of two and two together um, made us realize, okay, we need to pay, we need to pay more attention to what's growing around us. And instead of running to, you know, the doctor right away, what can we, what can we do for ourselves? How can we take control and how can we heal? How can we heal ourselves? Yeah. And even like you said, looking at what is naturally growing around you. And there are a lot of plants that kind of grow very commonly, like almost all areas of elderberry growing to some degree. Um, Almost all areas will have, you know, there's certain plants that we kind of have, I want to say almost universally to most climates. There's always exceptions. But I think another thing that I noticed during this pandemic, especially is there's a lot of things that I'm not growing here yet have not gotten them planted and started yet or they don't grow in my climate there is always going to be that aspect certain things won't grow everywhere um and i've been able to have the privilege of being able to order those online i mean most of us can say that we've been able to order them online and get them but with shipping issues and all of the things that that we're still seeing right now at the time of this recording in society and and related to the pandemic and and that type of stuff that actually for the first time wasn't available to me or I couldn't get it as fast as I needed it because we were actually showing symptoms of something. And so that really opened my eyes and was one of the main reasons where I said, we are starting a larger scale herbal growing here because one, I need to be able to grow some of these specific herbs. They will grow here. I don't have them growing yet. And secondly, I can't get them in a hour driving mile radius, like they just aren't available for me to buy here. I can get them online. That's how I've got them. But like when I actually, like if I need to physically be able to go get them because I can't wait for shipping time or, you know, something's wrong with the internet site, we need to have a local option. And so either growing it yourself, but like you just said, looking what grows around you, learning the medicinal properties of that, because the wonderful thing about herbs is it's not like a lot of the pharmaceutical counterparts Many herbs have different properties to them and can be used for multiple things. And usually something growing in your area will have the medicinal property that you're going to need to treat most common maladies that, you know, cold flu type symptoms. So learning those is so important. Right. And what you were saying is you know, another really important aspect of, of how are you going to have your regenerative apothecary garden, you know, and, and that's, that is the other, the other project, you know, and that's the, um, we're replanting plants that are growing in areas where they're getting ready to build homes. You know, I want to basically, we've been, you know, helping relocate plants that we know are, are valuable. We know are a necessity, um, black cohosh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, ginseng, obviously we, I haven't had very good success replanting that, but ginseng grows wild up here. You know, I'm nestled into the skyline drive, you know, and it, it, there's such an abundance of plants in our area. 
um, Salomon seal. You know, it's just, there are so many things that are growing that you, for us, that are, are growing in our backyard, but what else can we do to not be such a, a consumer, you know, and that's to change our perspective and become a producer. So we are, we are planting the plants that are native. We are bringing our area back. I want, I want to be able to walk outside just like I would when I'm going to my, my bathroom pharmacy. And I want to be able to, to point and see, okay, this is going to help me. This is going to help me. This is going to help me. You know, that's, that's my ultimate goal um, on, on our homestead. You know, we have the food. We've got the, the chickens. We've got the bees. We've got the, the cattle. You know, my bees are helping the pastures grow, which is in turn feeding our animals. You know? So it's this, this entire system. Um, but yeah, you know, having that regenerative aspect is it's, it's only going to better yourself. Um, and I think that, you know, I absolutely think that you should grow all the, all the weeds, all the herbs, let the dandelions grow. Yes. I'm in complete agreement. And I think oh, like you and I, we could talk for hours, hours, (laughs) but um, we'll wrap this one up with a pretty bow. I am so excited. I can't wait to, to learn more from you and to, to share more and have you back on and to see where all of your research leads. But for those who are listening and want to follow along on your journey and learn more from you, where are the best places for them to connect? So YouTube has been a big platform um, and we do, we share quite often. I think I I try to share at least three videos a week. Um, I also post, I use Instagram as well, kind of as my, my like personal diary of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, But we are the Honeystead and that's the, it's like homestead and honey and you just kind of put it together. And so uh, between Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and then I kind of started up with TikTok, which surprisingly I'm having a blast with it. Um, but we're, we're sharing, you know, we're putting it out there. Uh, people have been emailing. We've got a website up. I am in the process of starting to write more and post my blogs and kind of share my personal, like what I finding, basically everything that I've, what I kind of talked about today, we're starting to put a little bit here and there up on, up on the blog. Um, but it's a honeystead. Awesome. We will have links to that um, as well for all of the places Kaylee mentioned um, in the show notes and the blog post that accompanies this episode. So if you are listening, know that you'll be able to grab that there as well. Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait until I get to see you again. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm so excited. Now I've got to go um, watch some more of your videos. They are always (laughs) so lovely. Well done. Um, And go and contact my local bee person so that I I don't forget. I need to get in line. So thank you, my friend. Thank you so much and happy keeping. To access any of the resources that we were talking about and to find links to things, go to melissaknorris.com forward slash three because this is episode number 328 and you will see the written blog post that accompanies this episode along with all of the links to things that we talked about. Thank you so much for joining us and I can't wait to be back here with you next week. Blessings in mason jars for now, my friend. Mm-hmm.